Chapter 5 of Cowardly Lion of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Kibbe. Cowardly Lion of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. Two Cowardly Lion Hunters. For a time, Nada and Bob Up sat quietly under the tree, each busy with his own thoughts. The clown was repeating to himself Mustafa's warning, and trying to recall some mention of such a country as Mudge in the geographies he had studied. The little boy was thinking that at this time yesterday he was calmly eating oatmeal and applesauce, with nothing more exciting ahead than lessons in bed. Perhaps he was asleep and dreaming about lions and blue-whiskered mudgers. He touched Nada experimentally, to see if he would disappear or turn suddenly to the harsh-voiced matron of the orphan asylum. But the clown only turned an eat somersault, walked a few paces on his hands, and sat down again. Bob, asked the clown, tilting his cap forward so he could scratch his ear, do I look like a lion hunter? Bob up shook his head slowly and almost laughed. Something inside tickled tremendously, but he remembered, just in time, that laughing was against the rules of the orphan home, so he swallowed instead. We're both lion hunters, observed the clown reflectively, and that being the case, we had better start hunting at once, for it would never do for the lions to find us first. It's like a game of hide-and-seek, Bob. So long as we are hunting him, this cowardly lion is it. But if we stop hunting, then we're it. In a game of hide-and-seek with a lion, it's your hide or his. Being it means being it, hide-and-seek and all. Nada glanced slyly at Bob out of the corner of his eye to see whether he was going to smile. Bob was looking uncertainly at the forest, stretching so darkly ahead and thinking he would just as soon not play this game of hide-and-seek at all. But as Nada had already started toward the forest, there was nothing for him to do but follow. The short spring afternoon was drawing to a close, and a round silver moon showed faintly over the treetops. Things might be a lot better, and again they might be a lot worse, mused Nada, as they walked along under the trees. Why, if you were in the home, you would probably be eating cornmeal mush for supper, and what are we going to have for supper, Nada? asked Bob, looking up at the clown inquiringly. Well, hurrah, shouted the clown, turning a rapid cartwheel. You're getting on, my lad. Called me Nada as natural as a brother. As to supper, that depends on Mustafa. Let's see what the old rascal has given us. On a flat stump that happened to be near, Nada opened one of the packets and set out a regular feast. There were dozens of small meat sandwiches. There were ripe figs, a jar of honey, and a little jug full of blue tea, which they found most refreshing. After they had feasted, Nada carefully packed up the rest, and, feeling more cheerful, the two cowardly lion hunters stepped along through the forest. "'I can't make out where we are at all,' said the clown presently. "'But in a country where lions talk and verses sling one about, it's safer to obey orders, don't you think so, Bob Up, my boy?' So long as we travel towards this emerald city, we are obeying orders and are safe from Mustafa's ring. When we get there is time enough to worry about the cowardly lion. Now, take an emerald city, Bob. Did you ever hear of such a place? Why, it's as strange as blue whiskers and cowardly lions. Everything's strange. In fact, I think we've fallen into one of these fairy tales. I always had a kind of notion they were true. But the cowardly lion liked Dorothy, burst out Bob quite unexpectedly. So maybe he will like us. He had been turning slowly over in his mind the few facts he had managed to read in the lion book. "'Why, bless my heart!' cried the clown, looking down at Bob admiringly. "'So he did, and furthermore, didn't that book say Dorothy was from Kansas?' Bob up nodded solemnly. "'Well, then everything's clear as candy,' Nodda turned a somersault from pure relief. "'We'll go straight to this Emerald City and tell our troubles to Dorothy, and when she learns that we are from the United States, surely she will help us to get back, and if we could take a couple of talking lions along, our fortune would be made.' Why, even Barnum and Bailey never showed a talking lion. Nada was so enthusiastic by this time that he fairly bounced along, but Bob was growing sleepy. 
He found it harder and harder to keep pace with Notta's long legs, and finally fell sprawling over the roots of a large tree. Notta had him up in a minute. Lights out, chuckled the clown, touching Bob's eyelids gently. Well then, let's go to bed. It's too dark to go on anyway. I don't see any beds, sighed Bob, leaning wearily against the clown's knee. Neither do I, admitted the clown, but we'll just pretend we're flowers and sleep on the ground. In a minute the clown had raked the pile of leaves together under the tree and placed Bob carefully in the center. Are there any bears in this wood? asked Bob, looking around doubtfully. It was quite dark now, and the moonlight sifting through the leaves made queer shapes out of all the shadows. This isn't a bear forest, said Notta positively. I think it's a fairy forest, Bob, and that reminds me of a song I used to know. Reaching over, Notta pulled the little boy into his big, comfortable lap, and with a twinkle in his eyes he put his back against the tree and began to sing. Oh, the moon's a balloon on a silvery string, and the sandman holds on to it tight. Tis a ticklish task. What would happen, I ask, if you let it fly off some fine night? But he knows that there are seven points to a star that might puncture the moon, and a steeple would finish it quite. How we'd miss it at night, for the moon means so much to some people. There was another verse to the song, and Bob, leaning drowsily against Donata's chest, thought he had never heard anything so perfectly beautiful. He had never sat on a real lap before, nor had a song sung especially for him. So the little boy snuggled down contentedly, his eyes straying to the moon, just visible above the treetops. Why, there was a string on it, a bright silver string, and a little old man was holding to the end, just as Nada had sung. Fast asleep, muttered the clown, holding Bob a bit tighter, and so he was fast asleep and dreaming of the Sandman's balloon. Nada meant to keep awake, for he was not so sure there were no bears in the stark forest, but the day's experiences had so tired him that in a short time he was sound asleep himself. No sooner had Nada's eyes closed than a little bent ferryman came tiptoeing from behind the tree. He held his lantern close to Nada's face. Such a beautiful voice, sighed the little fellow to himself. It would be a shame to have it swallowed up by one of the forest creatures. And this must be a child. He held his lantern close to Bob's red head. He watched them for a while in silence. Then, pulling his silvery beard thoughtfully, set the little red lantern beside them and pattered off into the darkness. Nada had been right. It was a fairy forest. Every forest in the wonderful land of Oz is a fairy forest, inhabited by strange creatures and peoples. But the clown song had so pleased the old ferryman that he determined to protect the two strangers from all harm, and though many bears and other beasts came snuffling past, they dared not approach, for the red lantern told them plainly it was claws off. So grumbling and growling they went searching further for their dinners. The little lantern disappeared with the first ray of sunshine, and, quite unconscious of the dangers they had slept through, Nata and Bob awoke almost at the same minute. Well, yawned Nada, winking the only eye he had open. We're still here, I see. He rolled over and over, and it turned a dozen handsprings to get the kinks out of his back. I've often wondered what made flowers so stiff, and now I know. It's sleeping on the ground. I'm glad I'm not a flower, aren't you, Bob? Bob nodded and hopped up quite briskly. There was a fine breeze blowing, and the day was so sunny and bright that he felt ready for anything, and just to look at Nada made him feel happy. Do you think we'll find the Emerald City today? He asked, skipping along beside the clown who was making for a little brook just ahead. Well, according to Mustafa, it ought to take three days, answered Nada. But Mustafa was never in a circus, and anyone who has been in a circus can travel three times as fast as other folks, so I shouldn't be surprised at all if we were to be eating our supper in this Emerald City tonight. If I had only wished old Billy along, he could have carried us in style. The elephant exclaimed Bob with round eyes. The clown nodded, and kneeling down on the edge of the brook, began to splash water on his face and hands. Bob did the same and had just taken off his shoes in order to paddle properly, when a cry from Nada made him pause. "'Now I've done it,' wailed the clown, dolefully jumping up and down. "'What?' asked Bob, curiously. "'Washed my face!' Nada pointed to his face, which was quite red and shiny from the cold water. "'And I haven't any powder. 
Have you any powder, Bob? Oh, my cold pie! It's hard enough to be funny with a white face, but without one I simply could not joke at all. Whatever's to become of us? I'm no clown this way. Bob was terribly distressed, for if Notta couldn't be funny, nothing would seem the same. He felt hastily in his pockets. Not that he expected to find anything, but because they didn't know what else to do, and in the last one his hand closed on a bag of candy the old gentleman had bought for him at the circus, and it was squashed and sticky from being slept on, but mechanically Bob handed it over. "'Why, it's marshmallows!' cried Notta in delight. "'Bob, you have saved the honor of my profession. We must preserve these carefully.' He patted his face with a small sugary marshmallow and surveyed his reflection with pleased satisfaction. "'I feel funny already,' he announced cheerfully. Bob was much relieved, and Notta did look more natural with his face whitened. "'Now for breakfast,' said the clown, licking the sugar off his lips. "'It is great fun,' Bob thought, washing in a brook and having breakfast under the trees. After finishing off some more of Mustafa's sandwiches, they started quite briskly through the forest. "'I think the rules are going to work better today,' chuckled the clown. "'I will use disguise number three. Number three's a bear, Bob-up. Now here's our program. First disguise, then politeness, then joke and run. We shall get along famously.' Notta sprang into the air and clicked his heels together for very light-heartedness. Bob was thinking to himself that Notta's last disguise had not helped them much, but he was too polite to mention such a thing, and as there seemed to be no danger in sight, he trotted along contentedly, stopping now and then to pick the bright blue flowers that grew everywhere under the trees. The forest was not so large as it had seemed in the night, and in an hour they had come to the end of it and started down a narrow lane. "'Well, we're still going north,' Notta looked complacently at a large signpost that stood at the beginning of the lane. North Road to D, said the sign briefly. Wonder what D stands for, because it can't sit down. The sign snapped out the sentence so suddenly that Notta tripped and fell over a stone, and Bob simply gasped with astonishment. They didn't paint any line for it to sit on, explained the signpost patiently. Where does this lane go to? gulped the clown, edging over and taking Bob's hand. It doesn't go any place. It stays where it is. See here, puffed the clown in exasperation. I never heard of a talking signpost, but so long as you can talk, you might give us a few directions. I can only give one direction, and that's north. You can take it or leave it. Notta tried the post with a few more questions, but it just sniffed sulkily, and seeing no more was to be got out of it, the two hurried on. Maybe D stands for Dorothy, said Bob after a little silence. Maybe, mused the clown, looking uneasily over his shoulder. But this is a strange country, and we'll have to take it as we find it. Hello, what's this? A sudden turn brought them up short, for the lane was closed off by a gray wall, so high one could not possibly climb over, and so wide that it would take days to walk round, and in the wall were seven heavy oak doors. "'This is the kingdom of doorways,' announced a large sign posted halfway up the walls. "'Be sure to use the right door.' "'But which is the right door?' gasped the clown, half expecting the sign to answer him. "'There are seven, exclaimed Bob, who had been counting them up on his fingers. "'And only one of them is right,' choked the clown anxiously. The two stood perfectly still, gazing in fascination at the seven doors. "'Which is the right door?' repeated Nada, scratching his ear doubtfully. End of chapter 5